Welcome all, Autumn and Winter Podcast, and this is Anna. And this is Morella. And welcome today. It's a special edition. We've got three guests, and we'll start off with Shiraz. Shiraz, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I'm Shiraz Ramji. I was born in Tanzania, East Africa, on 10th December 1948. Mm-hmm. My parents were born in India, and they moved to Africa in 1920. And I'm one of the 11 siblings. So uh, my mother was 37 when I was born and my father was 44. And I studied in Tanzania up to my master's in mathematics. And then I also studied in London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine in England in 1980. And I've taught in high school, university, medical school. And so I'm also a poet. And now I'm... I'll be 71 on 10th of December. You seem like a very healthy, active person. Do you do you feel that getting older has any impact on your goals or your activity? Not much, really. It's 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 your journey. I mean, it's my journey, and I'm focused on at least reaching 100. <laughs> so since I good, and we're wondering if cultural background. Does it have an effect? In your case, you've seen so much, different cultures, different places you've studied, you've worked. I don't know, because to me, culture is education. Because I find the word culture, people associate as if it's my birthright. I think I always looked at life as a positive thing. And I never heard in my family anybody wanted to die, so everybody wanted to live. And I think most people are want to live. I've worked in the refugee camps and so on, and I've seen the desire to live rather than to die. So yes. I, mm. I think uh, being a teacher as well, you are always motivated by your students to teach next year and next year and next year and next year. Mm-hmm. So, so that's la- ingrained in you in some ways. How, how long did your parents live for? Well, my father lived until 67. He died in 1971, and my mother lived for 72. So uh, the next stage is to be 72, to pass her age. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you seem to, yes, we wish you that and more, much more. Thank but, you. you know, uh, I'll go back to, you said, well, you've taught in Africa. You've also worked in refugee camps. So I'm wondering, you know, teaching in England versus Africa, in terms of culture, is there a different view in aging, at least your experience? No, I don't think so. I think mm. people have just created this belief that because university life is the same, All whether over. you are in England or Africa or Asia, and there might be different system in terms of, uh, like we have here, semester and so on, and in the British system, which is the same in Tanzania, was more about uh, whole year. You, you mm-hmm. stay with the same students until you finish your degree. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So you got to know them better. Yeah. But yeah. then you get 13 weeks here as well to know people. Of course, now there is computer, but still, I don't think there is much difference in the pedagogy, in the methods of teaching and so on. But is there a difference, let's say, in the way elders are treated or in India, in Africa, than in North America? I think... It, it's improving as people are living longer in North America. And I think now the language is more diversity and inclusiveness. 
So age diversity and age inclusiveness is there. I mean, partly because I'm been a teacher, I've always had a gap between my students and my teacher, and I still enjoy that gap. So you might, for example, I'm doing Grandparents Film Festival, which is home base, and I've been looking at the films from. So what is the story? Tell me again. It's the Grandparents Film Festival. Yeah. Because I, I'm doing research at mm. SFU on what grandparents and grandchildren learn about health and nutrition. Because my area of m- medical statistics included health promotion. Oh. So uh, one of the things I started doing was collecting picture books with grandparents and and now movies with grandparents. And I've realized that in Canada there are seven and a half million grandparents and the average age at which people become grandparents is 50. So I consider every person who's 50 as grandparents. But in Canada, I've only found five feature films in the last 40 years. So if you look at that angle, as far as media is concerned, they do kind of exclude or the visibility of grandparents is pretty low. Yes. So grandparents are invisible and I'm trying to get grandparents visible through media. That's interesting. That's amazing. And would you say that's SFU Simon Fraser University here in Vancouver? Yeah, yeah, I worked there, but I... This is a a research part, leave through them. Mm. You know, and, and it's interesting because you said just five films in North America dealing with grandparents, which is something I would think, you know, Mirella, you started saying other countries, whether that's Africa or um, other countries, I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect the reverence towards elders is much higher. And yeah, yeah, I've been collecting from all over the world, so I've got about 100. I would say Asia, especially China, Korea, and Vietnam, and so on, those places, or Latin America in general, they are much more literature, uh, picture books, and uh, movies, and so on, mm-hmm. rela- in relation to grandparents. Now, what do you mean by picture books? Is this the, the the book that you read to children? Yeah, these are picture books which you read to children. Yes. And they have stories of grandparents and grandchildren. And there aren't very many in Canada? No, they're not. Really? Yeah, people are saying, oh, there's a lot. And if you ask them, can you show me? Uh-huh. So out of ten, you might find two or three. Hmm. And you say that in India or Asia, Africa, there are more picture books that include grandparents? I, I'm c- collecting picture books which are published in North America, and that's my research so far. I know South Africa has got uh, picture books with grandparents and even mm-hmm. Tanzania, but the point uh-huh. is I'm not collecting those because you can't get them. So uh, what I have collected in North America covers all uh, racial groups, all ethnic groups, and so on. And I'm I'm also looking at people from ancestry point of view and rather than colors. So I I call m- the seven wonders of the world: Africa, uh, Indigenous American, Indigenous Australian, Africans, uh, Arabs, Asians, Europeans, and global citizens. All of the above. So if you don't, if you are mixed and so on. So I'm collecting books which are representative of all these seven wonders. And they must have grandparents in it and grandchildren. But what I must say, 
80% of picture books are written by granddaughters, so it's, it's very hard to find books with grandson. <laughs> oh! In the movies, it's the other way around. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> <laughs> so, in the movies, there are more movies with elder men than elder women. Mm. So, if you take 10 f- movies, six would be with elder or grandfather, three with grandmother, or, and one with both, kind of, as a couple. So uh, it's challenging to find uh, movies with grandmothers. That is an interesting research topic. And what made you think of going into this research? What promoted you to go thinking, I'm going to explore this topic? I'm trained as a medical statistician, and one of my job was to train nurses and doctors to evaluate health programs and vaccination and so on. And what we found in Africa, I'm talking about Southern Africa now, Tanzania, Mozambique, Zimbabwe. One of the things we found was that among those not vaccinated were twins, triplets, because mothers couldn't carry the children, and children under the care of grandparents. So my first reaction was, who has grandparents? Because mine died before I was born. Mm-hmm. So I started doing research. That was almost 30, 40 years ago. Oh. So then I started a school where grandparents learned about postnatal care. So really your interest in grandparents started a long time ago, probably when you were in your 30s. And you just, because you were interested in trying to get grandparents to bring children in for vaccination. And now you just carried on. Then I was requested to do research of needs of seniors in the refugee camp. Because if you are trained in medical statistician, you, are, you learn a lot about research methods. Uh-huh. For example, I did work with the refugee camp in southern Africa, and these refugees were from Mozambique to Zimbabwe or Mozambique to Tanzania. And we found that, for example, non-government organization always thought seniors need glasses and so on. Uh-huh. And when you talk to the seniors themselves in the refugee camp, they said, we need cooking pots and buckets to carry water. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you have to listen to people, but when you are earning a lot of money, it's hard to listen to people. Mm. So you know what, Shiraz, I get the sense a little bit of what you chose to do, had to do that, as you said, you don't know, you didn't know your grandparents. And the fact that you were working in a refugee camp, that zest for life, and you took that and it seems carried it through your career, including now, the Grandparents Festival. Yeah, when I came to Canada, I continued studying and yeah. learning gerontology and so on. So uh, I'm a lifelong learner, so I'm always... But this idea of... Uh, first, I was collecting picture books just to get gr- grandparents to read picture books with themselves in the book. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I couldn't find it, so I started doing the research. And then I, I volunteered for a lot of cultural program and film festival, and I said, oh, my God, there's no seniors mm. in the mm. movies. Bring them in, yes. Bring. So I, yeah. I started what I call Grandparents Film Festival. By, But my since I didn't have any budget or something, I talked to the senior centers, and I'm a director of Edmonds Community Centers, so they gave me the room and the and the films we got from the National Film Board, a few of them, which is free, and we shot it free. But then now I'm more focused online, so I, I made a list of 100 films, and they can mm-hmm. go. I, I gave copies to your library as well here. It, so it sounds like your idea of, of life is just to keep being a lifelong learner and worker and researcher. Do you have an idea of retirement? I tell people... 
It's after my funeral. So <laughs> well put. The R word doesn't exist to me. No. The R word doesn't yeah. exist to you. Is that a cultural thing? Do you think in South Asia people don't think of retirement as a part of like... As we do here in yeah. North America? I think there is a myth. All cultures don't believe in retirement. It's just the word they are pushed to believe. Because mm. if you are in an academic profession or in any employment, mm. there is a tendency to, to push you out after 60 or 65, right? Mm -hmm. But if you are self-employed and so on, you... So many people would like to continue working, but the conditions try to push you out. So now people are normalized at retirement. But I think for most people, if they're honest, they are not really taking retirement seriously in terms of uh, dying, but well, more in terms of enjoying life. Well, you know what? I think here in North America, I mean, just what you said before, the fact that we only have five films is the media pushing, you know, that's something that won't sell. But perhaps, as you're saying, as individuals, it's just a continuum of life. And here in North America, because business dictates way more, that's put in the back burner. And we're told retirement, you know, we're segregated. And that, I think, needs to change. And hearing something like Grandparents Film mm -hmm. Festival is one way to do that. You know, yeah, to bring those generations closer and see that continuum of life. Yeah, because in most of Africa and Asia and Latin America, a lot of people after 50 are self-employed because many countries mm -hmm. have early retirement. So the tendency is to continue as long as you live. And there is always something to do. So the idea of sitting and watching TV is also something people enjoy it or... But I'm not sure, I mean, I'm a researcher, so I don't mm. listen to gossips as much as I try to find the facts. Yes. And I don't think, I mean, people tell me Asians look after grandparents more than the Europeans. I don't believe in that. No? Not at all. Because in each continental ancestry groups, Asians, Africans, Arabs, there are people who have three generations who work together, and there are people who reject it. Okay. Right? So in all cases, better... People don't want them to interfere in the language and so on. Because a lot of grandparents are mother-in-law and father-in-law. So some are inclusive families and some are not. That's interesting that you're dispelling the stereotype. Yes. Because we do get a little bit caught up in ideas that are promoted like, oh, you know, in Japan, yeah. there is no grandparent that is left yeah. to die alone. But you're saying no, there's percentage of but lonely grandparents everywhere. But you know, I suspect that's that is actually good to hear that you know that it's across cultures that common mm. bond. But I still can't help thinking that in North America, although what you're saying is undoubtedly true, we skew towards less of that. And I wonder again, you know, coming back to is it the media, is it you know we're more individualistic society? Not disputing your point, but but I don't know. I'm willing to bet that the, the statistics are a little against the North American numbers. Yeah, again, I think people are here. The brainwashing mechanism is very strong in a sense. You can be manipulated to believe in certain things and certain views. But if you look at so, a lot of university students I work with and so on, mm -hmm. they are living with their grandparents. If you read the biography of Kim Campbell or if you look at uh, Clinton, they grew up with their grandparents, and they are not African nor Asian, 
right? I see. So, hmm. how do you explain if you read autobiographies of where they're written? You'll always see the issue of grandparents there. I mean, mine died before I was born, so, but I'm just saying that there are groups who have grandparents and grandchildren living together, and then they are distance, and then they are dead, and so on. So, only 50% of children born today will have links with grandparents from mine. So, it's not everybody, but I'm saying that if you go to Christmas party, most people will tell you, and we are going to be with our grandparents. Now, if there are no links, why are they going for Christmas? Mm-hmm. You see? Okay. So, North American, I mean, Thanksgiving, you'll see. So, the, and the power of seniors is increasing slowly, slowly, but it's mostly focused yeah, at present on the election side rather than on the human side. That's very interesting. I, I think it's, it's interesting to talk to someone who works with statistics and works with research because that was an interesting point that you're bringing up. The statistics don't really bear out some of the brainwashing or stereotypes Mm. that we get flooded with in North America. I also found it interesting that the retirement idea, that isn't so strong in other countries, but maybe that's because they're self-employed? Yeah, I was talking to people, you know, you don't find many waiters who are elderly in any restaurant. But you will find the owner who might be 70 years or 60, Mm. he's going around or she's going around. So there is an acceptance of certain level. But I'm just saying that those people are are not retiring until they close the restaurant, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. So what I'm trying to say is that more and more people who are self-employed, they don't kind of retire saying this is my age. But then there are people who are forced to retire or mm. they, are, they may not be forced directly, but more indirectly. I want to ask you a question that's not on this list, but it just came to me now. What do you think about putting seniors in a separate community? I would say that I support both. You see, there are two aspects of it. There's a human aspect of it, and then there's a profit, the corporations and so on. But I live in a senior's housing myself, uh, which is independent, but next is a care home. I was a director there and so on. So I have inside knowledge. The media is presenting the image that care homes are the worst. Yeah. But I personally think having taken care of, there are challenges to do it Mm 24-7. And if you can't do it, you don't have to drown yourself as a caregiver. And I think we need both systems depending on what is available there. There are people who can afford to have some employment where they don't have to do 24-7. So, I mean, I don't support the high-profit senior center or care home. But I think that is going to be there. So I wouldn't oppose seniors going to care home, but they have to improve the image of the care homes, number one. And then if the family can't do it, they should say it rather than taking it too much and then... Yeah, nobody wants there, there. Do they have this kind of a system in other countries as well? Yeah, yeah, they they are. It, they are care home, but you see the definition, the type you have here, you know, kinds of fancy building and so yes. on, is not there. Oh. If you go to villages, sometimes you find hut for the senior who lives in the family, but they, it's a separate, you know, separate like a lot home. of grandchildren say, oh, I love to sleep with my grandmother. Uh-huh. So that applies in all cultures. So it depends on your resources and so on. And it's a global industry now. 
to build seniors care homes and so on All over uh, when the there world. is profit yeah, like the cruise lines uh -huh. most, uh, are dependent <laughs> on seniors because yes. you know what my, my background includes polish and i mean interesting you mentioned that but you know until recently none of us heard of residential homes for seniors in Poland until very recently. So, you know, the business model, I think, has partly to do with that. Yeah. You know, interesting. Well, thank you very much because I think you've dispelled a lot of rumors and stereotypes and with your research, you're bringing our knowledge into the 21st century. Factual as yeah, opposed to just perceptions yeah. or media. Yeah. So what would you say, uh, Shiraz, you know, getting older, your final advice to all of us as yeah. we face that? See how you can enjoy your life. Don't worry about this negative because I find in Canada people are always have a very negative language in terms of longevity and yeah. so on. And I think uh, you have to challenge that in terms of saying, I'm going to leave. And if anybody asks you, to, when are you retiring, says, come to my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to end. So thank you, you very much. I do that all the time. <laughs> Shiraz, thank you so very much. And it's Mirella and Anna for Autumn and Winter Podcast.